Hi. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On today's episode, we break down what happened to Team Canada. It's over with Sam Cosentino of Sportsnet. A feel-good story about a local Winnipeg kid who's giving all his birthday money every year to kids' sport so that those less fortunate are able to play sports. And the Westmen adding to their new ring of honor with an all-time volleyball great, Diane Scott, joins the show. You'll hear it all on the podcast. So we've had almost a full day to process the fact that Canada is done at the World Junior Hockey Championship. Stunning overtime loss to Finland guaranteed Canada would finish without a medal on home soil for the first time ever. Joining me to digest what happened is Sam Cosentino, who covers junior hockey for Roger Sportsnet. Sam, is this just a case of bad luck, or is the rest of the world catching up to Canada? Yeah, I think it's a it's a bunch of different things here, and I think we'll start uh, in game and we'll work work our way out from there. But in game, there's no question the puck luck was not in Canada's favor. I think about a power play early in the game where Cody Glass right shot on the right side uh, takes the puck with a half open net and uh, can't get enough on it. The puck kind of flubs over a stick and allows uh, Lukanen to get over and make the save. And then I think about what happened in the final minute. When you have a, a game-tying goal in the final minute that goes off the side of the net, off the skate, off the stick, off the blocker, that's a pretty tough one to handle. Then you get into the extra frame. You miss on the penalty shot, call that lock, call that whatever you want. You have the Noah Dobson stick breaking on a two-on-one, which as much as I've seen Noah play, that, that puck's in the back of the net. And not only that, when the play goes back on a two-on-one the other way, Cody Glass is the player covering up for Noah Dobson, and the shot from Utenen actually goes off the stick of Glass and rockets up over the shoulder of Michael DiPietro. That's four or five different scenarios of, of puck luck. Now, when we extend beyond that, is the rest of the world catching up? I think that's been happening here for the last four or five years. And you think about the number of different winners we've had at this event, from the Russians to the Americans to the Finns, you know, in 2016, Canada's got its its uh, share in there as well. But it's no cinch that Canada's going to walk into this event anymore and figure that they're going to win. And this is a, a perfect example that, you know, the first time in 13 years hosting the event that they haven't gotten the medal. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things about the rest of the world. The Swiss are starting to develop more skill. The Finns, their run of, of first-round picks lately. So, obviously, the skills there. The Russians never going away. The Czechs are a very talented group. You know, the Swedes with 48 straight uh, preliminary game wins, you can go on and on about how the different countries have really started to compete. As we kind of, you know, extend it a little further than that and, and get back into looking at Team Canada itself, I, quite frankly, even if they had a one last night, they would have played the Swiss, and I'm not so sure they're beating the Swiss. I just don't know if this year's team was good enough and that's it's just kind of one of those cycles and how it works the 99 birth year in canada was not a great birth year so this team had to rely a little bit more on youth you look at the back end the 2000 born players ty smith and jared mckaysick noah dobson evan bouchard by all intents and purposes of 2000 it was an october 99 birthday so they were really young in the back end and you think about some of their guys up front that they had to lean on that were also young um, I just don't know that even if they had a one against the Finns that they were going to uh, eventually play for a gold medal anyways. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just happens to be one of those years where where Canada is out. It doesn't happen often. And, and, you know, as a hockey fan, you should celebrate what the rest of the world's doing. 
And for a Canadian hockey fan, don't think about a summit or what's wrong with our country or anything else like that. It just happens to be one of those down years. And this is something, this tournament, where it was Russia and Canada pretty much for three decades. One or the other was the best team. And over the last 10 years, we've seen Finland. We've seen the U.S. We've seen now Switzerland a couple times. We've seen Sweden. While they've only won one gold medal, they've medaled uh, six or seven times in the last decade. And as you said, as a hockey fan, even if as a Canadian, you're kind of upset with what happened last night and the fact that your country didn't win, you have to be happy with what the health of this tournament is at and how it matters more now to more countries. Well, I think it's much more competitive in the fact that, you know, a lot of times, let's just go back a decade, let's say, and, and previous to that, you're looking at probably four teams that would be competitive coming in. And you talked about the Canada-Russia thing and how it played out over a number of years. You know, as as we go back a decade, you can add uh, the Swedes to the mix there really comfortably. And I think you could add uh, the Finns uh, or even the U.S. for that matter. So it's just a, a situation. Uh, I look at the grassroots program and, and what the U.S. is doing. I look at their under-18 program, which will likely set a record for most players taking the first round this year. There's a lot of good things going on in the game right now, and it's healthy for one country to see what other countries are doing and try and maybe pick some of the things that have worked um, in terms of the grassroots play, in terms of the goaltender development, in terms of the, the emphasis on skill or working in tight spaces. No, it is pretty fascinating to see um, how, how it's all come about. But there is, you know, the last decade has just seen so many different countries come to the fore, and, and it is. It's a great thing for the game. It really is. Now that Canada's out, give people a reason to continue watching. We've got U.S.-Russia in one semifinal, Finland-Switzerland in the other. Well, there's a little bit of everything to watch. I think the Finns, they haven't won since 2016. They're missing a couple of key pieces that are, you know, that are playing in the National Hockey League and Kotkin Yemi and uh, Miro Heskinen. And if they had those two players, I would simply put them as the favorites to go on and, and hoist once again. But I look at Capo Caco, so you're looking at a bit of the future who's likely to go in the top three, top five of this year's NHL draft. L.A. Tolvin has got some NHL games uh, under his belt. Um, you've You've got a whole host of, of really solid, skilled players. Alexi Heppaniemi is a guy who won a you know, Western Hockey League championship with the Swift Current Broncos last year, a Florida pick who had two points, had a point in each of the, the two goals uh, you know, for, for Finland uh, yesterday. And then I think about the Russians, and I got to know them well in November during our Canada-Russia series. Piotr Kochetkov is, to me, the best goalie in this tournament. He gave up a couple of garbage goals late in that big win over Slovakia, but I think he's the tournament's best goaltender, and he's an undrafted guy, 12 games in the KHL this year. But uh, November jumped on the radar of some NHL people, and I think with his play here in this tournament, we'll do the same thing. When I look at the Russians, I think about Klim Kostin, a first-round pick for St. Louis, who's really acclimated well here to the North American game over the last couple of years. I think about Vasily Podkolzin, who was a late ad, uh, and who was likely a top 10 NHL pick this year. I think about the Swiss, and as a group, how they've come together with Kurashev a year older, Nando Eggenberger playing a, a key role and a factor this year when he was a non-factor last year, Nico Gross, the guys who were a year later from what they did last year, and they're so much better. And take aside any of those individuals and think about what an awesome story it would be if the Swiss were to win uh, a medal, period. But to think that that medal might be gold or it might be silver would be a really cool kind of Cinderella story. 
Um, and so you have all these kind of different elements coming together. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this medal round. There's still plenty of reason to, to kind of check it out. Fair to say that whoever wins the Finland-Switzerland semifinal will be rooted for very heavily in the gold medal game? Oh, I would think so, yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to look at the the, the U.S. team as well, and that's one team that I forgot to mention. And a little bit of a different group, but there's huge reason to, to watch Jack Hughes as well. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing uh, all plays out. But uh, I would say that you're right. Whoever wins the, the Finland-Switzerland game is probably going to have the crowd very largely on its side. All right, before I let you go, Sam, who's going to win the tournament? Oh, boy. I, I think Russia has to be the favorite right now. I don't think there's any weaknesses in their game. I, I love their back end with Sam Marukov and Alexiev and a couple of kind of lesser-like guys. I love their depth up front with Denisenko and Kravtsov and Kostin. Uh, and I love their goaltender. I think he's the best goaltender here, and, and Piotr Kochikov. So I would put the Russians as the as my gold medal favorite right now. All right, Sam Cosentino, appreciate your time. Thanks. When you were a kid, your birthday was the best, right? Presents, cake, junk food, presents, friends coming over, presents. Did I mention presents? Well, for one Winnipegger, presents aren't really his thing. He wants cash only, but he doesn't keep it. His name is Cole Robertson, he's 13, and his dad Dave joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Dave, explain what your son does with his birthday money. Every year, for the last seven years, he's um, given his birthday money to Kidsport. So um, he asked kids going to his parties not to, give, not to bring gifts, uh, to bring money. And he, uh, for most of those years, he's donated all of his money to uh, kids sport when he first came up with that idea what was your reaction as a dad i think we were just proud of him it was something that he um just decided to do on his own and um he saw kids playing at uh, this football practice of this flag football and um after these practices these kids would always come up and play with them and um and he asked his mom um, and at one point why they wouldn't be able to play on the team with them. And they had to talk about um, whether they could afford to play team sports or not. And Cole didn't think that was fair. And he asked his mom what he could do. And um, they came up with kids sport. They, we kind of knew about it. And, and he decided he was going to donate his money to them. So it was pretty great. I was really proud of him. And as a father of a kid who plays organized sports, you know firsthand how expensive those can be. Absolutely. I mean, my son plays hockey. My daughter has played uh, club swimming for um, many years. Um, a daughter in dance. So, yeah, it definitely adds up. And we, we also have seen the benefit of it. So um, we, we, we feel strongly, as Cole does, that every kid should be able to do it. We think there's a huge benefit to being a part of team sports and and have the capacity to be able to participate. Um, and the fact that some kids can't, um, we have organizations like Kids Sport that uh, make it make it possible. And I think it's uh, of great value. Because a big part of the socialization and being a kid and being active, being healthy, is playing these sports. And it's unfortunate that part of the problem is there are these barriers for some that you know it would help them get out of their situation perhaps if they could play these sports but 
it's kind of a double-edged sword in that regard. Yeah, I, I agree. And I have, um, you know, one of my friends too, uh, Strini Reddy runs a, a great program in the inner city um, that is just, it's, it's just that it gives kids something to do um, outside of school hours, um, participate in sports and activities and, um, and just being around other kids and doing something physical activity that's, uh, you know, healthy. And um, I think it's amazing and should be something that all kids should be able to do. Um, so, you know, kid, there's other organizations like Kidsport or others that are doing that great work are definitely uh, organizations that we should be supporting. Have you tried to convince Cole to at least keep a little bit of his money? <laughs> we have, actually. Because um, a couple of years ago, we, we uh, I think it was my wife who asked him, do you want us to even just get you like um, a box of Lego to play with um, for your birthday or something? And he had said to her, Mom, if I get a box of Lego, that's maybe some money that could go to a kid to play in a, play on a team. And I'm just not going to do that. So it was pretty incredible um, that he's he has declined offers from us to get birthday gifts. And he's opted instead to make sure that he gets all of that money um, rather than gifts so that he can give it away. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. He's a pretty, he's a pretty impressive little kid and he's not, he's getting not as little now anymore, but, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's really nice to see that he does that and he doesn't ask for, you know, any recognition. He just wants to do his part and, um, yeah, we're, we're really proud of him. You mind if I ask him a few questions now? Ah, not at all. I'll just uh, go uh, grab grab them. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Hello. Hey, Cole. This is uh, Christian from CGOB. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. How old were you when you started doing this? Like seven. Yeah. And why did you start doing this? Um, because so there was this. There were these two kids that I was playing with after fo- our fo- playing football practice, and. I said to my mom, like, I can't wait to play with these kids. And my mom said they might not be able to play because some families can't afford to play. And I thought that wasn't fair. So you've been doing this now for six years. How much money do you think you've donated over those years? Um, I think maybe $2,000. Wow. How does that make you feel when you donate this money? It makes me feel good. Why is it important that everyone gets the chance to play? Um, because there could be some kids that are really good at different sports, but they can't afford to play. And money shouldn't be the one thing that keeps them out. Yeah. How long are you going to keep doing this for? Hopefully for a long time. University of Winnipeg adding to its new ring of honor tomorrow night when women's volleyball coach Diane Scott will be the third name added. Scott won three national championships with Westman in the 80s and 90s, twice named an All-Canadian. In 93, one of the best individual seasons in school history, named the top female athlete in the country, the National Player of the Year, MVP honors at the national championship, and after a brief pro stint in Germany, took over the Westman program in 1995, led the team to a runner-up finish in 03, coach of the year in 2012. Diane joins the show now, and Diane, it's been almost a quarter century. Did you ever think you'd be coaching this long? Uh, no, uh, no, and yes. I mean, uh, actually, when I t- 
took the uh, took the position. I was I was recruited for the position years ago, and when I took it, I saw it as initially a five year plan to, um, you know, make judgments from there and set set things in place, etc. So uh, I don't think anyone goes into anything thinking uh, lifetime. <laughs> But here you are now, almost a quarter century later, and you're going to be inducted into the Westman Ring of Honor tomorrow night. Uh, when you found out this was going to happen, what was your reaction? Uh, I was uh, I was very grateful and and honored uh, to be uh, included and and certainly receive receive such a accolade. Uh, it's uh, it's an exceptional um, privilege to be here as a, as a coach and as an athlete. And, and that's, uh, that's just another, another moment that uh, I'm just so grateful for. What do you think of Winnipeg putting in a ring of honor to recognize its past achievements, whether it's you or Sandra Carroll or Tom Kendall and the list goes on? I think it's an important thing to, uh, to acknowledge uh, people for their efforts and their commitments uh, I think uh, it's human nature to appreciate those uh, those moments of recognition and and certainly ones that are put in place uh, for for generations to come. I think that's important. Uh, it's it's no different than um, the pictures we have on the walls and 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 uh, identifying all Canadians and from all the different sports and all the different eras. It's it's really critical that people know that what they participated in was important and that their effort was was remembered or recognized and unfortunately it can't be everyone but it's it's lovely to have have that evolution in our recognition i think it's important the 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 players and coaches are the fabric of this experience that's what sport is so for you as a longtime member of the Westman family then to see this happen now and the names will keep going up on the wall, how does it feel as, a, as an alum of the school to see this happening? Well, I think it's, it's incredibly important. I have always been a proponent of supporting such actions. Uh, our team room I have uh, over the years uh, ensured that the history of our women's volleyball program uh, is recognized and remembered uh, on the walls, and it's not open to public, but in our team room, um, every All-Canadian has a headshot, an action shot, uh, and, and the, the accolades that followed that experience, as well as the coaches. Um, it's, it's important that everyone's uh, contribution is remembered. It, it doesn't have to be amplified um, on a daily basis, but it needs to have a place of reference or resource that people can just notice uh, what went on um, behind the scenes, uh, because most most times it's just expressed on the courts, right? So uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, uh, not to sound too cliche, but there's a lot of sweat and 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 effort and commitment and blood, sweat and tears that go into these experiences. How much has coaching the Westman changed since you took over in the mid nineties? Oh uh, well, the the game has changed dramatically. the 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 rules have changed. The ball has changed in terms of color, in terms of dynamics. Uh, the 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 score has changed. The culture has changed in in many uh, many ways, right? Like society has changed, and uh, the athlete has changed in in some regard. But it's all necessary. It's it's it should progress and change over time because it's 
not just since the 90s, since the beginning of time, it's changed. So, uh, and I think it's important that uh, we adapt and change with it. Um, you try to maintain some consistencies that worked in the past, but you have to keep evolving to, to, to fit with the groove. Now, in 2018, 2019, you've seen a lot of different players come through your locker room. Do you still stay in touch with players that you've coached in the past? Uh, I have a, a number of uh, really close connections throughout the years. Um, it, you know, going all the way back from from the very beginning, the first few years, and uh, till now. Like, and each each generation of uh, player and team uh, leaves a different mark. Uh, it's also how it's changed for me as I've grown and developed as a coach and as I've aged as a, as a person, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm 25 years deeper in this gig and, uh, you know, the players are, are, are significant. They're a much a part of my experience as I am theirs. Uh, and I, I love how over the years they have, um, uh, challenged me, uh, helped me, um, become better all the time through that challenge. I love how I have had the privilege to develop them, mentor them, challenge them. And far from perfect, uh, and that goes both ways, but that's life. And I love the rawness of the experience. It's it's not an easy gig, and um, I'm grateful for all the things it's given me, and uh, I'm well aware of all the things it's taken as well. Well, Diane, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. Congratulations on this honor, and enjoy the experience tomorrow night. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm very grateful for the honor, and uh, I appreciate uh, uh, all the experiences I've had here at the University of Winnipeg. It's been uh, a major part of my life, so I'm very grateful. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes.